Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this special edition of Noah's Archive. And with us today, we have an interview with uh, Sheldon Jean. Hello, Sheldon. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? I'm not too mad, mate. Yourself? I'm doing good. I'm well. Sweet, sweet. So, I'm going to jump straight into the questions, because uh, so the only reason people are listening in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, for those who don't know, can you tell us how you got into wrestling, and just a bit about your time before you went to Japan? I got into wrestling a little different than most people. I was a fan from when I was a kid. Like, and I was a kid, I was like, I was like maybe seven, six when the Attitude Era was happening, but I was really, like, able to pick up on what was happening during, like, the quote unquote like ruthless aggression era like the john cena randy orton era that's what i really was watching and i was always a fan of it but i never really thought to do it then around 18 years old i started thinking about it and like that's around the time the shield was on tv and like they really motivated me to consider doing it and then i watched triple h's documentary that kingdom come and right after i watched it i knew i wanted to do it so i typed in on google how to become a wrestler I found the school in Windsor, Can-Am Wrestling School. Uh, the head trainer was Tyson Dukes at the time. Uh, Scott Demore was is the owner, and they they trained me, man. And I trained for two years without a match, and then I started working matches about a year and some ago at this point. Uh, Scott is a vice president of Impact, I believe, and they have, like, a NOAA agreement, Impact and NOAA. So, like, that stuff is around the wrestling school a lot. And the president of NOAA came to our school just to see our school and to bring one of his uh, top students to Canada in Windsor. And he saw me perform within the school, and he liked me, and he invited me to come down there for three months. That's kind of how it came about, very sporadically. Sweet. Had you heard of Noah before? Were you much a fan of Puro? Uh, I was never that big of a fan of Japanese wrestling before I started wrestling. And then even when I first started wrestling, I didn't watch it too much. Some New Japan stuff. But I didn't know of Noah until like my second year into the business. I, I heard of like the second biggest company in Japan and all Japan. And then I was like, okay, Noah's the second biggest. So, cool. Oh, excellent. Uh, so, from there, obviously, you then go to Japan. What were your first thoughts when you arrived in Japan? Uh, had you been to the country before? No, absolutely not. That was my biggest venture I've ever been on. Uh, I first got there, I believe it was September 28th or so. Got off a long-ass plane ride, 14 hours, and got to the airport, like, I was extremely tired and there's a bunch of people with cameras and stuff and it wasn't necessarily for me it's because the impact guys were there too for one big show the yokohama show which was a couple days later so there's a bunch of cameras and stuff but then they see me also a foreigner so they just just ultimately assumed that i was an impact superstar so they're just all over me and it was it was pretty it was pretty overwhelming and like they don't they didn't understand what I was saying and I was like no I'm not part of Impact but I am here to wrestle right but then uh, I got sorted gone to the bus and was just driving to the where I'm gonna be staying and I was just looking out the window and I'm like what is my life right now like this is absolutely insane and like every day after that was roughly the same way especially with the jet lag just didn't have a grasp of what was going on just doing what was told and training thus far. 
But then, like I'd say, like two, three weeks in, I got a schedule and I got into a system. And then at that point, I was pretty comfortable. Sweet, sweet. Did, did you have any personal aims before you went out? Like, I want to do this or is there something I specifically want to achieve during my time there? Wrestling-wise or outside of wrestling? Both, personally and wrestling-wise. Well, wrestling-wise, I just want to uh, gain as much skill as possible. I wanted to gain the stuff there that I wouldn't be able to gain here, which was mainly the discipline and just the, the different viewpoint of looking at wrestling and looking at working. Outside, I, I didn't go with any outside of wrestling goals, but by the time I left, I realized that I learned a lot about just being respectful because it's a really respectful culture. Just being respectful and taking the important stuff serious and the not important stuff not serious. But my primary goal was to become a better wrestler, and I definitely feel like I achieved that by just learning and observing as much as possible. Okay, okay. So, going into your time in NOAA. Um, on the 14th of October, Global League 2017, uh, your first match and you're tagging with Minoru Tanaka versus Ohara and Inoue. Do you have any memories of that match? And what were your first impressions of the NOAA style and the crowd? I do have memory of that match. I don't have memory of before the match because it was, I was. I think I was a little. I, I can't even remember if I was nervous. I was a little bit nervous, and I was mainly just concerned about calling the match of people that don't speak English. But then after the first time we called it, I realized that wrestling was a pretty universal language and that they understood, and I understood them. I remember coming out with Tanaka to his music, walking to the ring. And I just felt pretty confident in myself just because I saw a ring and I know I know I know how to wrestle. So a ring is a ring no matter where you put it. During the match, like I think I was waiting to be tagged in and there's a little bit of nerves there. But it was pretty it was a pretty lackadaisical match. Like uh, I know where it's on very uh, comedic uh, very comedic fashion in the ring. So it was a pretty light match. There's no too, there weren't too many spots or too much I had to remember. It was a it was a good way to break in. So you have a run of tag matches with Cody Hall, obviously the son of Scott, uh, very early on, and throughout your Noah run in general. What was he like to work with? It was a lot of fun. That guy, he, we became pretty close because being in a secluded area where you guys are the only people that speak English all the way in Japan, you brings you together so outside of the ring that's who i was with most of the time that's who i bonded with inside the ring it was a lot of fun because we throw ideas back and forth at each other and it kind of just came about out of nowhere i want to say they wanted to put the foreigners together just so it was easy on me probably uh within like my first couple of tours being there but in the ring it was it was fun like i i didn't even remember by the end of it that his dad was scott hall he was just became one of my, my boys and uh, good friends in this business. Out of interest, did you mark at all and think, this is Razor Ramon's son? I never told him that, but the first couple of days, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like, I remember calling my brother, like, man, this is Razor Ramon's son. Like, this is, <laughs> like, this is his, this is his child. And, like, WWE will put out those, like, table for threes or like some sort of network show and they always have old timers on it and razor ramon was on it and i remember one specific episode he was actually talking about his son 
and I didn't know Cody yet. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he's as good as he's saying his son is, or as big as he's saying he is. And then I first saw Cody, and he's huge, like 6'6". I'm like, oh, man, he wasn't lying. So it was cool. It was cool. If, if, if you would have told me when I was a kid or told me two years ago or five years ago that one of my best friends in this business would end up being Scott Hall's son, I would not have believed you. <laughs> we'll put it that way. So, move forward a little bit. Your fourth match in the promotion, and you're tagging with Cody against Tanaguchi and the current GHC champion, Keno. What was it like being put in against some of the top guys in the promotion? And do you have any memories of that match in particular? We faced Tanaguchi and Keno? Yeah. I I have no, I remember facing Tanaguchi in a tag match in a couple times. I remember facing Keno in tag matches a couple times specifically, but I don't remember facing them together. That's weird that that happened. Uh, regardless, needless to say, uh, it was great because Keno's the champ right now. I watched his whole road to getting the title, all the matches he was having in little towns and big towns. He was performing at such a high level no matter where he was. And I learned I specifically learned a lot from him. So when I got to go in the ring with him, I, I remember going into the matches just feeling like I'm going to let him do everything and just feel where I would be going wrong or feel where I'd be going right. And wherever he kind of takes me is where I want to naturally take myself in my other matches, even if they don't involve him. So I really like whenever I face a guy like that or any anybody else up at the upper card of the roster, I'd really just take a back seat and try to learn as much as possible from them. It, it was really cool. I was I was really happy you won the belt too. You could tell when you were in ring that this was the man. It was, you could just tell. Yeah, it's the guy getting the biggest push, and he deserves it. And like the top guy right now, so and like you can feel it. It's a different type of energy when you're in the ring. Yeah. Okay, so the very next match after that, if it happened, I'm going to double-check my facts just in case. <laughs> yeah, no, you're probably right, but I just don't remember that one. <laughs> uh, and another champion, but this time you're tagging with him. It's yourself and um, Hall teaming up with Quiet Storm to take on Saito, Tanaguchi, and Tanaka. Did you know Quiet Storm before going across at all? Um, and what was it like working with him? That's the sixth man, right, at Corka? Yeah. Yes, that that one for sure happened. Uh, I I didn't I did not know Quiet Storm. Uh, funny story when I, Quiet Storm lived in, well, he sometimes lived in the little uh, apartments where I stayed at with the other young boys. They had like these two apartments. He lived in the separate one, and then all the young boys lived in the other one. And whenever I'd see him, I'd just speak to him as if he was he spoke fluent Japanese because that's what I knew he spoke. And then I was talking to him one time and I was speaking like very slowly, trying to make him understand what I was saying. Like I was trying to articulate English perfectly to him. And then he looked at me, he's like, yo, I'm from Brooklyn. And I was like, what? (laughs) Huge, huge pop, huge pop. I had no clue that guy could speak English, but no, I did not know him. But when I got to work with him and Cody, it was cool because that's three guys from, well, they're from the States. I'm from Canada. That's three guys in North America that could communicate and run spots together and whatnot. I remember in that match, I remember Cody, the hot tag was supposed to go to Quiet Storm and Cody tagged me and 
and I didn't know what to do. That's why I remember that match so specifically. But that was my only time tagging with Storm. But that was, it was pretty cool because calling that match was so much easier because there's three English-speaking people. Awesome. awesome. So just step away from the in-ring for the minute. Just for an understanding for our listeners, the whole experience, just between shows, what would a normal day consist of for you? Uh, that's a good question. It was pretty repetitive because that's how it is there. But it was either traveling or training. We trained because I, I didn't go there just to tour. I went there to train as well. The traditional young boy training, which consisted of like a lot of squats, like 500 300 push-ups, a bunch of core exercises, neck exercises, and a, a whole bunch of calisthenics. And that was a daily routine. The days of shows, I had to do it. The days off from shows, I had to do it. On top of that, we'd be traveling four hours, five hours, eight hours, sometimes 14 or 12 hours. So whenever I wasn't in the ring, we were doing something to either prepare me to get into the ring or getting to the next town. There's very few times where I was off. And even the times where I had off days, it got to the point where I, did, I didn't know what to do with myself because I was so used to working hard every single day. Okay. Um, who was uh, a specific group uh, in this um, uh, training session? Did, like, was, was there a certain group of trainees this time? Yeah, how it works is they have... their Each promotion like has their young boys and you have to try out to be a young boy. Like You have to... like kind of like pass a physical it's a pretty extreme physical of a lot of exercises and a lot I've, i watched a lot of people fail just in my three months there but getting there there was three young boys already there that i moved in with and the four of us were the ones that carried bags trained every day and just did all the dirty work around the promotion like help clean up and stuff uh out of interest who were those three have they made uh, noah debuts yet one of them has uh, made a debut. The other two haven't had matches. His name was Junta. I don't want to butcher his first name, but it was like they called him <laughs> Milwaukee-san, but his, I called him Junta. That was part of his ring name. And uh, he really helped me out around the, the dojo and around the house. He really took me under his ring, and I appreciated that. But the other two haven't debuted yet, but I, I can't wait to hear that they have because... I've been through a lot with those guys, and I, I would love to see them get their debut. Cool. So you touched on something there, which some people might not understand. Um, the housework, for example. Um, can you explain exactly what a trainee's life is in regards to like the main event guys, and how it differs? Oh, it's sun and the moon. It's so much different. For example, you mentioned Keno. Like after that match, Keno goes to the back, gets changed, and waits for the bus, and he goes home like everybody else. After my match, I have to get ready. I have to make sure there's waters in the locker room. I have to go back out to the arena and second row, which means watch under the bottom rope. So it's the uh, second rowing is when the young boys go outside to the ring and watch the match from the closest angle possible for learning purposes. And I had to do that every single show. So after I'd wrestle, I'd go to the back, change, go out, do that. When the show's done, I'd have to bring bags to the bus, clean up the whole venue. Whereas in someone like Kendall or Marifuji or Sugira, 
have already paid their dues and they just like any other superstar just they just leave so the the young boy style there's even outside of the ring it's just a whole lot of respect and earning your dues and paying it forward yeah okay so back to some of the ring questions um 7 november and you take on the junior tag champs raytel uh, hayata and yohei uh it's a relatively short match at seven minutes but what was it like working with them who was my partner i can't remember i think it may have been cody hayata and yohei oh this was really fun that was one of my favorite matches i've had thus far i forgot your question but because i got thrown off but that was a very fun match I love that match. It's one of my favorite ones. Is that because of the way you clicked in the ring with those guys? Yeah, so because they they're the, they're the champs at the time. They might still be. I don't know, but they're smaller, so it was a very fast paced match. And with my style, like I yes, I'm a heavyweight, but like I I can move. I'd like to think I can move like some of the cruiserweights. So it was really good to tap back into that two hundred five style. And it was just fast and exciting, and the crowd was really good. It was in a small venue, but it was packed, so we had a lot of fun. We were mad that it was so short, but that was the first. That was one of my matches in Japan where I was like, "Whoa, that was that was insane!" Like I'll remember that match forever. That's something that uh, people may not get. Is there the same way that it works in America in the gorilla position? Is somebody saying, "Okay, that match ran long or that match ran short," and they're doing it on the fly? Or are you told before you go out, this is the amount of time you've got, go work it? You're told the amount of time you have, but nobody would say anything to you if you went over. And that's not even an American-Japanese thing. It's just a wrestling thing. Some people care about times. Some people don't. Some people implement like very strict time periods. Some people don't. Uh, Noah, they're pretty good. Like, even though they're a very professional company, they're pretty good with times, but because nobody would really go over. And if someone did go over, it there'd be barely. So there's nobody in Gorilla tracking time. But if you went 10 minutes over the time they gave you, you'd definitely hear hear about it in the back. But that never happened. Okay. So two months after your debut, pretty much to the day, uh, you get your first single match taken on Kitamiya. Um, how did your mindset change from tag match and six mans to singles competitions? I saw that on the schedule and I got pretty excited because I was like, finally, like I get my singles. And I liked it because I felt like they wanted me to prove myself within the tags to, so they could see if I could have the singles. So when I saw it scheduled, I was like, oh man, they believe in me. So it's time to like show them why type deal, you know? So the day of the match came, like I was pretty focused, like thinking of ideas in my head, but I didn't want to put them out there until I saw that he was open to it because as a young boy, you can't just come with a bunch of ideas for a match. You let the vet call it, and then it goes how he wants it to go. Katamiya was very cool cool with me. He was one of my good friends when I was there. He was really cool with me that he always liked my ideas. So that first singles match, I called the entire thing. Like, it was all my, under my tutelage. And uh, I really enjoyed it, and I felt like I did well, and people told me we did well. So that's another one of my favorite matches there. Cool, so literally you had no advance warning, you came up, it's up on the board, singles match tonight. Yeah, I was on the Noah website, like I just typed in this, uh, the Noah.com and I checked, I'm like, oh, I have a singles in like a couple of weeks, this should be, this should be interesting. And my whole mindset just changed where I was back to like, 
because there's a difference. When you're in a tag that you can rest, it's not all on you. This one, it's all on me. So if the match is bad, at the very least, I'm taking 50% of the damage. And in Japan, I'm going to end up taking 100% of it. So I really got focused and aggressive for it, and I enjoyed it. Cool, cool. So, very next match, and you're up against the GHC Tag Champs, tagging with Cody Hall to take on the 50 Funky Powers, Yone and Quiet Storm. Yone, obviously, long-time mainstay with Noah, and multiple-time champion, what are your experiences with him? Yona, he was cool. When I first, my first day there, he gave me an afro pick because his, he has a big, his, he has the, <laughs> he has the disco gimmick, right? So he has a big afro and nobody else's hair there could, was, could be, a comb couldn't go through their hair. This afro pick didn't work on there. So I was like the only other guy that used the pick. So he, the first day he saw me and he gave me one. And from then, we always bonded and made jokes about it and whatnot. Then, when, in that match, I remember that match as well. Uh, it was cool to go into the champs. I liked the venue. I don't remember where I was, but I liked the venue. And it was good because they have their set tag moves, their tag taunts, and the spots that they do because they're super over. So I was pretty much just feeding for them the entire time. And it, and it was cool to because I'd be second rowing a lot, and I'd see them do this. And then finally, I got to tag against them and got to be involved in it, so that was cool. Yone seems to me to come across as like a approachable kind of guy. Backstage, is he one of those people who younger wrestlers can go to for um, to try and get advice as he's one of the um, elder statesmen of the company? Yeah, I'd say so, absolutely. And it's not like there's anybody that's not, but he's probably up there at Marifuji as the most approachable people to go to for advice or just to talk to in general. A lot of those guys, it's like, you start a conversation with them, they won't talk to you, but there's countless times where Yone would say something to me before I said something to him. Like, he, he's a cool guy. Um, so, just in general, what's the difference between a Canadian and Japanese dressing room? No, Noah is a big company, a big professional company. So the backstage life is obviously a lot more organized than a random independent scene in Canada. But even so, like this so respect in the back, the like there's no it can here and in the States, like there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of envy, there's a lot of shit talking between wrestlers. In Japan, that stuff doesn't even exist. Everybody wants everybody to do well, and everybody watches everybody's matches wanting them to do well. And that doesn't happen so much here. There, not to say that there aren't people in North America that are cool with other wrestlers, but in Japan, heat between, like, real-life heat in the back is non-existent, for the most part. Okay. it's interesting. Um, so, into December, Winter Navigation, and you tag with Agawa to take on Akitoshi Saito and Maso Inoue. What's it like working with, like, three genuine vets of the promotion? It's, uh, it's fun, but it's taxing, because they don't want to do anything. And they, I remember planning that match specifically, that they were all, like, kind of just want to go through the motions, and the whole match was pretty much my offense, so whether it was getting countered or I was hitting the moves, like I, I remember saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do for my comeback, that I'm good. And they're all like, no, 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 we need you to do more. 
And I'm like, okay, you don't have to tell me twice. So it was fun. Uh, and Noe is always fun to work with. Ogawa, I think that was the first time or second time with Ogawa. And uh, it, it was fun. I think I watched that the other day on YouTube. Someone put it up. So next event, and you're taking with another veteran, but very different, Taiji Ishimori. What was it like working with him? That that was that was amazing because that that's the X division champion. That's the X division impact champion, and he's a stud. Like he looks great. He moves like a maniac. Like he's he's so in shape and so athletic. He can do. I was on the apron watching him during that match, and just watching what he was doing, and, and I was just like in awe, like all of the fans. Like I almost forgot what I had to do in the match, but he's such a nice guy, and like off the bat, he doesn't seem too approachable but he's so nice he was really open to me doing moves he was really open to like all of my ideas and like that was another one of my favorite matches for sure and uh it, it was cool to work with someone that's so highly regarded in the business um so yeah as i said you went from three more hard-hitting vets to ishimori is it difficult from an in-ring perspective working different styles every night Throughout the tour, you had a lot more single matches against like Nagawa, Misawi, Nagai, 69, and Katoge. Um, so just every night, completely different styles. What's that like for you? I was I was taught here by Tyson. That one of the, Tyson only trained me here for the first five months, but one of the biggest things he taught me was he, he said once that you have to be able to do everything and be formless, and that when he goes into matches at this point in his career... He's okay because he knows he can work any style. So I've always, even before Japan, tried to make that a thing with me where I could work any style. And know why I had no choice because, like you said, every day I was wrestling somebody different, whether it was big or small, technical or high flying. So in those singles matches, you just you just get a a gra- and I've watched all of these guys because I'm second rowing every show, so I know what everybody does. And once I saw I had that like four or three singles matches in a row, I already started planning in my head the pace I'm going to be going at, the type of moves I'm going to do that day, the type of moves I won't do, the types of moves where I'm too big to take from them or the ones I'll work. So I was pretty prepared going into all of these matches. And with all the downtime on the bus traveling, I had nothing else to think about but how I'm going to go into these matches. So, jumping to the end, uh, your last match of the tour is on the 22nd of December at Korakuen Hall, tagging with Cody against Nakajima and Kitamiya. Um, did you know this was going to be your last match at the time? Yes, I knew. You knew, okay. Any memories of that match in particular? I remember that last match the most, because it's the last one. Uh, also, because Nakajima... I never got to work with him the entire time, and he's my favorite Noah wrestler from the first time I watched him. But I didn't know who he was until I was there. And yeah, right off the bat, I saw him. I'm like, this is my favorite guy. And it's ironic that in my last match, I got to work with my favorite guy and the guy I had my first singles with and I get along with. So I, we, I remember we had a short amount of time, but Cody and I said, like, it's my last match. Let's just go for it. And let's just go as hard as we can and have fun with it. And that, if I had to pick one match that I could keep forever. I get to keep them all forever, but if there's one match I could keep forever, it's that last one. It was I really liked it. Excellent. That night was a big one for Noah and was actually the
the focus of our first podcast um, with the great Kabuki retirement match and Keno mm-hmm. defeating Eddie Edwards that night for, to win the GHC title. Um, were you second row for any of this? I was second row for all of them. Oh. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie and Keno was insane. That <laughs> was absolutely insane. It was so hard-hitting. Eddie throws some of the hardest chops I've ever seen in my life. And Keno's chest kicks, Keno's double stomp, all of that is so good. And like I said, I watched Keno's whole like road to this Eddie Edwards match, so I was right there rooting for him. There was a point in time where me and the other young boy weren't even paying attention to what we were supposed to be doing, and we were just marking out on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to have to watch that match back to see, but there's a point where Eddie takes like a hard fall on the outside, and I just stand up right in front of a camera, and which I'm not allowed to do. I stand up right in front of a camera just because I wanted to see if he was okay. So it, I really enjoyed second round, but specifically that day. And also Kaito returned, and it was cool because I knew Kaito when he came to Canada. Like, I hung, I trained with him and wrestled him here. So when he came back to Japan and I saw the reaction that he got upon returning, it was really cool. Oh, awesome. Did you know much about Kabuki? Because like you said, you weren't a, a big Pure fan to start with. So did you just have uh, like any knowledge of who the great Kabuki was and his relevance to Japanese history in promotion in, in wrestling terms? <sighs> Absolutely not. Leading up to the retirement ceremony, knowing it was going to be that day, I'd hear things here and there. But other than that, I had no clue who he was. All I know is that he was heavily respected. And we all went out and like surrounded him during the retirement thing and like clapped for him. And everybody was out there before the actual show started that day on the 22nd. So, or 21st, whenever it was. But yeah, I didn't know much about him. Who did you enjoy working with most during your time in Noah? I guess, I guess it has to be Cody because I tagged with him like 12 times. But <laughs> impartial to that, my favorite person to work with, mm, I liked it all, but I'd have to say Katamiya. Uh, I faced him in my last match. I faced him in my first singles. I faced him in another singles after that too. And it was just great. He's so open to everything. And we just, I felt like we just had like a good connection in the ring. We had like instant chemistry and he, he liked my style and I really liked his. So that was my favorite opponent there. So very different backstage uh, experience, but were you ribbed at any time or is, does that just not happen? Uh, no, I saw the other young boys get ribbed, but I was never ribbed. So, like, I was treated like a complete young boy because I was I was paying my dues, trying to earn my stripes there, carrying bags and whatnot. But I was still, like, a foreigner, and I was still, like, a 6'2", 220-pound guy. So I feel like I didn't get the ultimate young boy experience, like, getting ribbed as much as the other guys would just because I'm not from there. And I'm also a pretty physically composing person because I was really tall over there. So I think that helped me out. Did you notice that more at the the size difference when you're in Japan versus when you're in Ring in Canada and North America? Is is it oh, more 100%, noticeable? 100%. Yeah, yeah, it's one hundred percent. Even on the streets outside, you, I, you never see someone that's taller than me. Whenever I did, it was like a surprise. And on the Noah roster, I think I was like fourth, 
latest fifth tallest guy on the whole roster. And one of the guys that were taller than me was Cody. <laughs> That's the genetics of Scott. You can't get away from that. <laughs> yeah, you can't get away from that. You can't beat it. <laughs> um, I think I know the answer to this based on what you've been saying, but what's the main thing you feel you uh, took away from this tour of Japan? Discipline. I can get into that more, but it's just discipline in all aspects of working and all aspects of life. As far as in-ring goes, I was telling my brother that I don't think I can be put in a position to ever have a bad match again because in Noah I learned how to not call bad matches. Uh, Marafuji told me that what we're doing is performing, and if you plan your performance accordingly, there's more of a chance that the performance will go well. But if you plan the performance poorly, it could it's likely to go bad. It could go good, but it's likely to go bad because it was planned badly. So I really learned how to plan matches well, and at the very least, average. So that's the biggest thing in the ring I took from it. And outside of the ring, the biggest thing I learned from it was just going for it. Everyone worked hard there. The ring crew we had worked so hard. Like the announcers worked so hard. Everybody works hard in Japan. Everybody I see, the ladies at Starbucks, and no matter who I met there, they all are very committed. And that's something I want to at least partially emulate over here and everything that I do. So, um, do you have any regrets at all or things you'd like to have done differently retrospectively? As far as Noah? Yeah. I knew it was going to go how it was going to go. I wish I could have uh, taken better care of my body there because the whole traveling and wrestling every day and training every day really threw me off. So like whether it was stretching more or icing more, I wish I could have taken care of my body better because when I got back, I literally just took a month off because I was so sore from everything that I just did. So outside of that, no, like every experience there happened for a reason. And I genuinely learned from it. When I marked down those matches in my like match notebook, I always would write down like something small in brackets to take from that match. And I still look back at those sometimes before I wrestle now. So I have no regrets. That's great to hear. Was there anyone you didn't get to wrestle you really would have liked to? Marafuji. I never got to wrestle Marafuji. That's that that's up. But I understand he's the top guy in the whole company. So, so. <laughs> I had a feeling that may be the answer. <laughs> yeah, it had to be. And, and Shiozaki. Marafuji and Shiozaki are the only two people I'd never got to work with. Can you let the fans know if there is a planned return for 2018 right now? Still waiting to hear. It's possible. It's possibly not. They liked me. They told me they wanted me back. When that is, is completely up to them. But I don't have it in my schedule right now. I'm just going with what I have now. And if it pops up, if it's... Uh, if it works out, I'll 100% go back. I don't know if I'd go back to train or just to tour, but then again, whatever they give me, I'll for sure take it. So, I know from reading what's being said on the Twitter feeds and on the um, boards that people would love to see you back. They, they really liked what you were able to add and bring to Noah. Yeah, I, and I, I didn't see that coming. When I, when I left, I was at the airport and I saw all the love that I was getting on Twitter and social media and even personal messages after I got off the plane. And it, that really actually motivated me and made me kind of proud of myself. 
So I'd love to go back and wrestle for them. Great. So last question. In summary, how would you describe your time overall in NOAA? It was a great learning experience. It came out of nowhere. I'm extremely grateful for it. I'd do it again. I'd do it again the same way. And overall, I'm just happy it happened. And it, like whether I ever go back to Japan or whether that's as far as I go in this business, which I doubt and I hope not, I'll always have those last three months and nobody can take it from me. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't often get proud of myself, but I'm a little bit proud of that three months in Noah. So I'm happy for that. And I'm sure speaking for all the fans, you should be. And we finish on that. So thank you for your time, Sheldon. We really appreciate it. And we hope you have a great rest of 2018. Thank you so much, man. Take it easy. No worries.